Hey, this is Pastor Nate with Liberty Church in Dublin, Georgia. So glad you could join us. As we open up the scriptures today, I hope this message is challenging, encouraging, and just the right word for just the right time. Enjoy the message. Amen. Parenting week two. Y'all feel good? Who's ready? Anybody ready? Four of y'all? Okay, good. The rest of y'all, hopefully we get you ready by then. But while we're getting you ready, we're going to read more funny statements by, by kids. Y'all okay with that? If you got some more, then I'd love to hear them. So one of them, one of them was texted, texted me during the service. It should be, is it working? Mike? Test. Yeah, it's test. working. Okay, okay, good. This is good. We told our kids we were pregnant with our little one, and our 15-year-old said, I know how that happened. <laughs> do, you, do you know how that happened? Because you didn't laugh. I mean, we can go into that. We can talk sex all day if you remember the relationship series, but we won't do that. I won't do that to you. Some of y'all don't like that. All right, this is another one in the room. Once we told our son a couple we had, uh, a couple we had gotten married over the weekend, he, he asked them, I, I just copied this over. I don't know why it's so funny. Uh, when, oh, he said, when are you and daddy getting married? I responded, we've been married for a long time. And he put his hands on his hip, tilted his head and said, when were you going to tell me? kind of funny. I like that. Uh, this is, I, I got to say who this is, because if you follow her online, she's got the best stories of her kids ever, and she's so honest and transparent and a little too vulnerable, which I love. This is Dana Hall. She said, I know I'm, oh, well, she's talking about something. She says, we walked into Kroger. Le, uh, Leah is this 12 years ago, and Leah's, I think, 16, so she's probably about four. Leah asked if she could walk instead of riding the buggy, buggy and she said, we got too much to get. And, and she said, uh, we had been there, we hadn't been there long when she spotted a little girl her age walking. She said, hey, mama, that girl is walking. I just want to push her down. A little jealousy, huh? What am I going to do with her? That's hilarious. Uh, and that's about it. Any other cool stories of crazy things your kids have said maybe the past seven days? Any good ones? Y'all think of any? I thought of one. What'd you think of? Another one. All right. Hit me this with happened it. just like two weeks ago. Okay. Aspen said, we were on the way home from school, and she said, Mom, were you alive in the 1990s? And I said, yes, I was. And she said, did you see God? <laughs> yeah. I thought I was there at creation, but no. Did you see God? <laughs> yeah, your kids think you're like, did you meet Moses back when you were born? No, no, he, just, he died a couple years before me. Uh, it's the best how old you're. But do you remember when you were a kid, like when you were six, seven, eight years old, how you thought your parents were like 90 and then when you turn the age that your parents were at that age, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm that old parent. Has anybody ever felt that before? Like, that is entirely me because I remember my kids being, uh, my, my parents being 29 like I am now. And, uh, and I was like, man, they're so old. And now I'm that age. I'm not 29, obviously. But all right, so last week, real quick recap from last week. But before we do that, let's open up in prayer. Father God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to encourage each other, just to challenge each other and just learn from others and learn from things not to do, things that we might not do, but things also that we can learn to do and glean wisdom from. And so Lord, I pray that we can just all be encouraged and change something simple that can help us to parent our kids more effectively. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So last week we talked about more is caught than taught. I heard several people quote that to us this past week. Um, that isn't one of our quotes. That's someone else. It's very good. I believe it was Gary Chapman, but I'm not positive. We, we talked about Deuteronomy 6. We talk about how it's so important to know God's words that you can teach your children it as you walk along the paths, as you put them to bed, as you wake up. We went through scripture in Deuteronomy 6. It was neat. I was talking to Glenn Jackson, former pastor right here for 21 years, right, Glenn? 
21 years he was a pastor, and, um, and he was, he, I was walking off stage, and I said to him, I said, hey, what did we miss? What else should I have said? And listen to what he said. He said, let your kids see you getting in the Word and praying. So we talked about like getting in the Word together, quoting Scripture to them, encouraging them. We didn't talk so much about a family quiet time. That's a whole other thing. But he said, let them see you getting in the Word and praying. And I thought that was such good wisdom because we kind of referenced that, but we didn't say that directly. Seeing your parents in the Word. I never saw it once, and my parents were great parents, good Christian parents, but I never once saw it. In fact, I think I got them one of their first Bibles that they had read in 20 years. But my kids, they see us in the Word on a regular basis, and and hopefully they learn from it and grow from it. But let your kids see you get in the Word and praying and emulate that to them. I thought that was so good. Take advantage of key times. We talk about dinner time and bedtime. We'll actually talk about that a lot because those are two key times, really, really key times. And the theme of the series is this, really. Just start small, start somewhere. So we're going to say 100 things over the next several weeks. You're not going to do all 100. And if you do, you're going to overwhelm your kids and you're not going to have too much of an impact because you're going to overwhelm them and frustrate them. Start small. For instance, we talked about getting in the Word last week. If you don't get in the Word on a regular basis, start with five minutes a day. People are like, well, that's not enough. What's better than no minutes? And you've heard me reference that before. Spend two minutes reading, two minutes praying, and one minute reflecting on what you just read. So five minutes is a great place to start. If you've never prayed with your kids, have like a 30-second, 20-second prayer with them. Start small is huge. Uh, Next thing we talked about was have fun with your kids. Because rules without relationships equal rebellion. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. And if you weren't here last week, um, was it, who all was here last week? I think most of y'all were probably here, seen maybe a couple new faces. Okay, a couple of y'all weren't. Uh, I encourage you to, so we aren't putting this online for, for video because um, we want people in the room, we really do. I chose not to intentionally because people keep messing us online. Are you gonna put it online? Are you gonna put it online? No, I chose not to. I didn't want to because I want you here in the room. But if you missed it, you can go back and listen to the podcast. So we do have a weekly podcast of Sunday and Wednesday parenting series. So go back and listen to it if you didn't. So here's what we have to understand. It's our responsibility to raise up and disciple our kids. It's no one else's. Others can help, but it's no one else's. So when I was a student pastor, and I'm not putting this on you, so don't hear that, but when I was a student pastor, a lot of parents would get mad at me that their kid wasn't walking with the Lord. And they'd say, like, I bring him to church every week or conversations like that. And we'd meet and I'd do some, like, parent counseling with the kid and everything. And, and they, they would kind of get up, upset, like, hey, we bring him to church. Why isn't he changing? Well, I get an hour with him a week. Or if they come to church, they might get two hours a week. And if they come all year long, they might get 48 to 52 hours a year coming to church or student ministry, all that. You get a lot more than that, at least a couple hours a day. And that adds up to a lot more than about 48 hours a year. And so it is your, our, it's not yours, it's our with our kids and your responsibility with your kids, not the grandparents, not the neighbors. The church will help. The grandparents will help. And it takes a village, but it's our responsibility. Oh my goodness, you gotta turn those down a little bit. My eyes are blinding right now. Um, seriously, my eye actually kind of bother me. You can turn those down just a little bit, please. Uh, but it is our responsibility to disciple and raise up our kids according to the Lord. So real quick, I'm going to tell a story about uh, London and screen time. Yeah, so our oldest is 14. And so our kids are 14. We have a 14-year-old daughter, 13-year-old son, and a 6-year-old daughter. So just naturally, that's kind of 
the stories we're going to tell and what we're going to lean towards. We're going to try to touch all ages, but that's kind of naturally how we're going to lean when we're teaching is because that's the season we're in. And I said to London, I said, London, we're teaching about parenting at church. Um, what, what have we done well? Like, tell me what a great parent I am. You know, and she, she said, well, I hate that you limit our screen time, but I'm glad you do. <laughs> and she said it just like that. I hate it, Mom, but I'm glad you do. And I thought that is so true because our kids, they're not going to like the rules that we implement, right? No. They're just not. Like, how often are we going to say, you get one hour, and they're going to go, thank you. <laughs> they're not going to say that, right? They're going to be angry. But it's our job as the parents to set the limits for them. And we're going to talk about setting boundaries yeah. and having healthy boundaries with your kids. Because if we don't put these boundaries in place, they are not going to self-discipline themselves. I mean, and maybe there's a kid out there that would do it, but none of my three no. are self-disciplined enough to limit themselves. No, that's good. And just a quick verse to, to open up and kind of just kind of give a foundation of where we're going today. And then we're going to actually have the public world, the non-Christian world, kind of school us about screens today. So we're going to give some great quotes um, from people that you think would want to uh, have their kids on screens and everything. But we'll get to that in just a second. But Romans 12, 2, it says this. Do not be conformed to this age. Another word version says world. Do not be con conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be discern, so you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. So it says, do not be conformed. One commentator worded like this. Do not let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. So, we have a world around us trying to squeeze us into its mold. And when you get on social media or the news or YouTube or anywhere, you see kind of one kind of platform that's going forward. And I'm not even saying a political thing. It's just what the direction they want it to go. Like if you get on the news, how many times are they like, hey, this church led 15 people to Christ. Well, forget the Christian aspect of it. This church did all this for the homeless and this church did all this. Now you turn on the news, it's all, it's all bad news. It's not... This person died, this person was shot, and oh yeah, they fed these 15 people. They'll take two seconds for that because we're so focused on the negative. And so the world around us is trying to mold us, but it's important where it says the world or age here, it actually represents that the world teaches, and when, it's, when it says the world of the age, it's, it's giving an example of what the world teaches. It's philosophies, worldviews, and understanding of God. It says do not be conformed to this age. Don't let this age conform you. The only way to renew your mind is to know and do what God's word says. We've talked about that a lot on Sunday mornings. We change our outside behavior by being transformed. Be transformed is more referring to our outside behavior. And then it gets into the inside behavior by being renewed of your minds, by changing our minds and our internal behavior. And John MacArthur words it like this. He says, the, transfer, the transformed body and the renewed mind is the mind saturated with and controlled by the word of God. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. And so the screens in front of us, TV, phone, computer, whatever it may be, that's what we're talking about tonight is, is screen time, really. Not really any one specific thing, just all screen time. That is putting forth one platform and lifestyle and everything in front of us. But we have to look at what God's word says, not what the world says. And the screen that we put in front of us is typically what the world is saying. And so we have to look at ourselves and, and evaluate, are we renewing our mind? Because outside of, 
outside of, so let me ask you a question, and this is kind of a rhetorical question, you don't have to answer this, but outside of your work stuff on your phone, how many hours a day do you think you're on the screen? Your phone on, mine does it on Sunday at about 8 a.m., it tells me how many hours I've been on my phone a week, how many, how many hours a day I've been on the phone that week. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot more than I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's a lot. And the truth is we should be spending outside of your work time, we should be, and I'm not doing this, so I'm just saying like, this is all of us here, outside of work time on your phone, because you do get to do work on your phone, I do too. Outside of that on your phone, we honestly should be, and this is convicting to me, be spending more time in God's word than we do on our phone. I wonder how many of us in here are doing that. I'm admitting to you, I don't. But I think it's something to really evaluate and learn because who's teaching us right now? Forget our kids, but we gotta be the example. Who's really teaching us when it comes to our circumstances in life? And it says all that, renew your mind, be transformed. And then it says, so that we can know the will of God. It's nice to know what to do with our teenagers, with our kids, with our life, with our career, with our marriage, with our everything, our platforms that we have in life. It's nice to know, but when we transform our lives, when we renew our minds, we can know the will of God. And it says that specifically in that verse. And that's not a proverb where it's a short, pithy statement with a truth. No, that's, a, that's essentially a promise there in Romans 12 one and two. And so a good verse to kind of start out with. But as we continue on, let me just ask you guys this. Crowd response time. Why do we turn on the screen? Like, so let's ask personally for you, other than work, when do you turn on your phone or why do you turn on your phone? Could be different, two different questions, but you can answer either one. When or why do we turn on the screen or the phone? So crowd response time. What do you say? Here's do hand raise so I can know who's, yeah, go ahead. When you're bored, amen to that. How many times we sit at a stoplight and we're just like, I got nothing to do. I'm just going to pick up my phone. <laughs> oh, it's got to go. When, when else? Yeah. Habit. Habit. It's like, it's like you're reading our notes. We're going to get to that in a minute. When else? You know when I do it? When I'm frustrated. When I want to check out. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to be in the situation that I'm in right now, so, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I allow myself to go into a different world is ultimately what it is. You want to add any times to that? Well, I was just saying, like, when, as we're walking through this and we're preparing, this is really convicting on us. Yeah. Because we can sit here and go, our kids are on the screens too much, and they're on, you know, but we are on the screens a lot. Mm. You know, we're on our phones, and... I don't know if your kids are like our kids, but our kids call us out. Like, Mom, you're on your phone. Like, Dad, you've been on your phone. Are you going to get off your phone? And that's convicting, right? So we have to set a good example. And we do that by having, and we'll talk about this, but just setting up good habits, like daily rhythms of yeah. during dinner time, we're going to put our phone away. You know, at bedtime, we're going to take the screens out of the room. You can't have your device in your room at bedtime. We'll get to that. But, yeah, real quick with that verse, that something I didn't say that I think is good because like I said sometimes is when I want to check out. It's hard to renew your mind, it really is. But I feel like we're doing more removing our mind by getting into our screen than renewing our mind. And the only way to renew our mind is here, but I feel like maybe this is just me. We're doing more removing our mind from the situation than renewing our mind. I just think that's, I think that's vital for all of us to hear. So go ahead yeah. with your, the first point and everything. You know, I was thinking 
preparing this about boundaries, boundaries, you know, it's easy to look at physical boundaries for kids, right? If you live on a highway and your front yard, if like you have a little yard and then there's the highway, there is no way any of us would let our little toddlers go play in the front yard, right? We're like, that is insane. Nobody would ever do that. If we would let them do that, we would put up a fence. We would make sure it's secure, right? That they're safe. But when our kids get older, we don't think anything of them having a device in their bedroom with the door closed. They're, they have the access to every bit of information. People have access to them that we don't know. Yeah. And we don't even know what's going on. You know, with a highway, you can see the car. We can't see what's coming at them on this device. We have no clue. And I think as parents... We're scared because I, sometimes I am too. Like I get kind of, I feel bad. Uh, our kids don't have smartphones. They call them dumb phones. They have dumb phones. They're, um, they're called a gab phone, and it, it looks like this, but the only thing they can do on it is text and make phone calls. And listen to music. They can listen to music. Oh, yeah. They can't access. They listen to, like, the radio. It's not yeah, even. It's, it's, it's literally like a, it's a, a radio, radio on their phone. <laughs> Deacon's like, Mom, I got something. It's <laughs> FM. I'm like, that's awesome, Deke. <laughs> but, but just giving them access to too much and giving, just thinking, oh, you know, everybody else is doing it. And we look at the world and, you know, my kids will even say that sometimes too. Mom, everybody in my class has an iPhone. Everybody. And I'm like, well. What were the stats? How many, what percent of the world has an iPhone? What was it? Oh, it was, 80, what, it was 83% of teenagers have iPhones. Wow. 83% was the study. That's a lot. But just thinking about we would never let our kids play in the front yard near the highway because we know there's physical damage that could happen, right? They're, they could be harmed. Think of the harm that comes through this when they have access to this without boundaries. And don't feel bad. I want to give us as parents permission to be the parents. We cannot feel bad. Nobody cares and loves your child more than you do. Nobody, right? And I know we don't want to upset them, and they, they're really convincing. Mom, I'll be a geek. Like, nobody will talk to me. I'm the outcast. I've heard all that, you know. I'm an outcast. I don't have an iPhone. Just, you know what's best for your child. And researching this and seeing all the stats about mental health, and in the past 10 years, how depression has skyrocketed and anxiety among teenagers has skyrocketed. It is a direct link to the access they have to their devices. It is more information than they can bear. So let's talk about just habits that we can have. Simple things, because I know this is overwhelming, and I know some people are thinking, Stacy, like, I have a teenager. They already have an iPhone. They already have full access. I can't take it away. I can't. How am I supposed to implement boundaries when I've already given them all this freedom? You can. And it's baby steps, right? It's little steps. So little steps that you can take. Mealtime and bedtime. Two very important things. And we have to model this as parents, right? And we have to call ourselves out on this. This is nowhere near the kitchen. It is put it away in the bedroom. Put yours away. All right, guys, we don't, no devices come to the table. We're going to sit down as a family and have dinner. That is a, you know, screen-free zone, dinner time and bedtime. This is one that's really tough because I know a lot of teenagers go to bed with their phone, but, Mom, it's my alarm clock. Go buy them an alarm clock. 
Okay, plug it in, you plug it in the wall, and you set it, you know, and it makes that amazing sound. Eh, eh, eh. Get them one of those. Because this next to their bed, who knows what they're doing while you're sleeping. And I know some people are like, but I trust my teenager. I trust them. That we have got to put boundaries in place to make sure they're safe and that they're limiting them because they're not going to self-regulate, right? They're going to go as far as they can go. Once you get to that first stat real quick. Okay. So this, I looked up the American Academy of Pediatrics, which is a group of pediatricians. They recommend zero screen time for kids under two. They said it's not healthy for brain development for kids under two to have any screen time, like not even television. They need interaction with people. They said not even television? No. Oh, goodness. They need interaction with people. Okay, they even talked about baby Einstein and how, you know, we think, I remember when London and Deacon were little, I was like, baby Einstein, they're going to be geniuses if I play this for him. So I had it. Anybody else use baby Einstein? Yeah, I was like, this is awesome. Still, it switches. It like flickers and switches from thing, you know, it's like a day on the farm and it's like, there's a goat, there's a sheep, there's this. And it's too quick for the brain. That's not good for cognitive development. And add, this is what they say. This is not a Christian resource. This is the American Academy of Pediatrics. Two hours a day. Two hours a day is all that two, teenagers two, should be on there. Two and over. And the app, yeah, two and over. And the average amount of time that teenagers spend on social media and their screens, eight hours a day. It's eight hours? Eight hours a day. You didn't tell me that. You're not yes. making that up, are you? No. Okay, just making no. sure. So eight Newport hours. Academy Research, <clears throat> this is what they had to say. Having constant access to news and information can create heightened levels of anxiety. This is for adults too, right? I know it's true for me. Research shows that teens who use social media are more anxious and unhappy than those that don't. That is a fact. Wow. So that's why we have chosen not, we want to delay that as long as possible, right? We, as long as we can, we're going to delay that exposure to social media and, and then we will lightly dip into it and help them process it. Probably before they go to college. We don't know yeah. when we're going to introduce it. Yeah, and, and, and so this is what we've done. Everybody's like, well, do we need to delete all social media? No, 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 that's not what we're saying. It, like we said, baby steps. Go slow. Don't even remove it. I wouldn't even re recommend that. I'm saying start slow. Start to monitor a little bit more. Some parents I see uh, have a social media, and they're constantly commenting on their kids' social media, which is probably a little creepy, but guess what? There's no question that they're, they're cautious of what they post and what they look at and everything. And so listen, to, listen, this is crazy. This is the facts that I thought was interesting, the social media, the social media giants that are saying these things. So Steve Jobs, everybody remember who he was? Uh, he was the founder, was he the founder of Apple? Am I crazy about that? Nobody, nobody knows. Was he the founder? I think he was the founder. Okay. After he had created the iPad, some, uh, some media people said, hey, so your kid's loving the new screen? He said, they haven't used it. We limit how much technology our kids use at home. That's Steve Jobs. Like he's the one that created all this, this craziness that we're all addicted to. The iPad, the iPhone, I've got two of his creations right here. Uh, Chris, An Chris Anderson was the editor of Wired Magazine and co-founder of 3D Robotics. They created drone, well, some sort of drones. He said, uh, his kids said that he's too strict, like our kids say about us. And then he said, because I have seen the da dangers of technology firsthand, I have seen it myself and I don't want that to happen to my kids. He was the editor of Wired Magazine and the co-founder of 
3D robotics. So if anyone knows about this stuff, he does. The former president of Facebook said, Facebook changes your relationships with society, with each other, and God only knows what it's doing with our kids' brains. It's like, these are the guys that are putting this stuff in our hands, yet they're the ones that are like, no, we're going to limit it. We don't actually do the things that we created because it's all about money for them, but they're not putting it in their kids' hands either. I just thought that's incredible. The creators of Fortnite hired psychologists to make the game as addictive as possible. They hit brain triggers with rewards and dopamine is the, the, the good things happen and your brain's like, ding, I want to do that again. It's like exciting. It's unleashed in your brain over and over and it's like a drug dose when you play aspects of Fortnite. And some of the men are in here like, yeah, I know, I get that. I love playing Fortnite. I intentionally haven't played it myself because I guarantee if I played it, I'd probably be addicted. And so I've never even played Fortnite myself. A podcast that was explaining this, that we'll go into, we, if you want all the resources, we've got them all. Uh, but a podcast was explaining depression is up over the last 10 years. Anxiety medication is used more than ever, yet anxiety is the worst it's ever been. Something needs to change. So, I mean, you got to think about that. Depression is higher than it's ever been in the history of time. Anxiety is higher than it's ever been in time. Anxiety medication is higher than it's ever been in time, yet we are still where we are today and suicide rates up and depression's up. Something's got to change because something changed. And I think personally, I think this had a lot to do with it. Screens give us a false sense of connectedness. You've got influencers. How many times have your kids said that word or said, I'm going to be an influencer? My kids have never, ever said that. Specifically one, I'm not going to name any names. Uh, But they say, they think they've got a false sense. They think they have a sense of connectedness. I've got friends. I play with them online. I've got friends. We play online and we talk and have a relationship. We believe we are connected, but we are the most disconnected society in the history of time. We're not truly connected when it comes to social media and games and all of that. And so that's just vital to kind of understand. So our mind is not created to handle the technology and screen time that we're offered. It's just not, God did not make us to handle all that information at once. Our technology has exceeded our humanity. Dr. Meg Meeker said that. I love her. She has an amazing parenting podcast. She's written many, many books about parenting. She's a pediatrician and has been for 40 plus years. Dr. Meg Meeker, our technology has exceeded our humanity. I thought that was really good. Uh, This I found too. It says the reward center is on overdrive. So in our brain, during the teen years, there's a greater sensitivity to dopamine. So dopamine the chemical in your brain that's like, oh, that's good. Do that again. That's good. That's the chemical that's produced. So we have, as a teenager, you have more chemical receptors, more dopamine receptors in the reward center. This causes novelty-seeking behaviors like bringing, I'm sorry, like binging binging on YouTube and searching for edgy content online. To skyrocket, risk-taking is at an all-time high. So when they're teenagers, they want to take those risks. They want to get that hit of dopamine. And so they're going to look for things to get that hit online. It's like a drug, you know? It's just, and your brain tells you, that felt good, do it again. That felt good, do it again. Listen to this stat. This is crazy. Data shows that 90% of all adult addictions start in the teen years. Wow. 90% of addictions that we deal with as adults started when we were teenagers. And I can't tell you, so I've talked to probably hundreds of men, men and teenagers that are addicted to pornography and they all say my dad's stash 
when I was a kid. It all starts there. I, I can't say 100%, but it seems like that's always the case. One time I was in an accountability conversation and men were just telling when they, the first time they were exposed to pornography and every single one of them, the 10 that were in the table or in the conversation said, well, my dad had this or when I was a teenager, I saw this. It all starts when they're a teenager. And some of y'all may sit there and go, yeah, I can relate to that too. And so we have to monitor and be careful what is happening in our kid's mind because we're developing the addiction. They're developing the addiction that's going to continue all the days of their life. So that's just vital to capture. Yeah, so let's ask the question, uh, when did you guys get your first cell phone? I know, oh, when did you question. get your first cell phone? I was 20 years old, which would be... It doesn't the matter year, the year. The year 2000, so it's 23 years ago. What, is that right? Yeah. Okay. It's 2023 minus 23. I, I can't do the math that fast. <laughs> When did you get your first year cell phone? Yeah. How old were you? Cell phone. Cell phone. Yeah. I was one of the rare kids back in the 90s who had a cell phone in high school. And I was bragging about it all the time. Was it like a Zach Morris phone? It was the Star Attack and the Motorola phone. Ah. Oh, nice. I thought I was cool and everything. But it's like, he's rich. Brother works at Sony Plus. What about, what about, did you get, you know when you got it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In, nine, did you say 90, 97? God, some of y'all got it early. Yeah, Robin. When you can yeah. pay for it. Yeah, I get that. Tyrone. When you got a job, when you could pay for it. Yeah, I can, I, well, I can tell you what changed my life. I didn't have to go to a payphone anymore. <laughs> Does everybody remember that? Some of you are like, what's a, what's a payphone? I mean, not many of y'all. Most of y'all know what that is. But what, so what changed when you got a... Well, I think it's different. I think he's right. Like, smartphones are the difference. The cell sure. phone didn't necessarily make the difference. It was the smartphone because you weren't always picking up your cell phone making phone calls, but the smartphone gave you access to the whole world, right? Yeah. And you can... Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, the back phone. Oh yeah. Yeah, I remember I was like 17 years old. My, my dad had a car phone. Remember the one that was connected to the, the floorboard? And uh, so I just, I just thought that meant whenever I drove my dad's car, I could use it all the time. And so I'm like calling my friends like, hey, man, what you doing? And I'm like, it was a big old minivan. It wasn't minivan. It was a conversion van. I'm like a 17-year-old driving and thinking I'm gangster or something. And, uh, and then my dad, like a month later, was like, hey, uh, hey Nate, did you, did you use my phone? I was like, maybe once. And he's like, well, the bill was like, I don't know, $100 or something back then. And he's like, you can't use that, like ever. I'm like, what's the point of a cell phone if you can't use it? <laughs> so that's good. So Quick emergencies, that's right. <laughs> so when it comes to smartphones and getting a smartphone, what changed in your life? Like, what did you notice 
changed? How would you answer that? I just I remember the first time I was able to look at Facebook from my phone. I was like, this is crazy. And I mean, it was still like you had to like click buttons. And if you clicked on something, it went to like three different pages and stuff. It was still complicated. But I remember just being like, I've got the, the world at my fingertips. I remember thinking that. It was a Blackberry. Remember that? Yeah, an old school Blackberry. I got the first like red one. I was really excited about that because it wasn't the traditional black one. But yeah, it was a red berry. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Immediate access to anything you wanted, yeah. GPS. She had the Garmin. I had a job where I had to travel, and I bought this giant heavy. I paid $500 for it, sit on my dash. And yes, and then when it went to the phone, I was like, oh, thank you. I didn't make it around very easily without it. Yeah, there's all kinds of things that absolutely think. So first thing, first thing we kind of talked about at the beginning, we didn't say it, is the effects of screen time. We talked a little bit about that. And now Stacey's going to address the practical steps to implement for screen time or, or to, to kind of adjust for screen time. Yeah, and so the most important thing that we can do with our kids is listen to them. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't agree with them, you listen, right? We sit and we lean in. We don't have our phone and we listen. Because I'm guilty too. Sometimes I'll be on my phone. Yeah, okay, uh uh-huh, yeah. And they know we're not listening. And that sends a direct signal to them that this, whatever is on my phone, is more important than them. So we've got to lean in. We've got to listen. And then setting those boundaries, start small. Mealtime, bedtime. Mealtime and bedtime, separating them. And they might fight you on it, but it's what's best for them. Separate them. Take this away at night. Like, hey, we're going to leave it in the kitchen. We're going to leave it in our room. We're going to start doing this because sleep is so important. We'll get, the, get to that. But here's some warning signs that maybe your child is screen dependent. How do they react when you take a device away? Mm. I know. Has anybody ever had a kid go crazy when you take a screen away? I think some of y'all are lying in there. You're like, no, my kids, no, they haven't gone to bed. Yes. So that's kind of my test. Uh, I'll, we let our kids play with screens on the weekend. So I don't know if I have that in the notes yeah. later. Yeah. So basically on the weekends, they can play with screens. They can play with roadblocks Roblo- is what they like to play together. And so my test is if I'm like, all right, guys, shut it down. And if they hesitate, I, I'm like, okay, you lost it tomorrow. Because I want them to know that this is fake. It is not real. I don't care how many Robux you have. I don't care how many V-Bucks you have. I don't care if you're going to lose them. If I say it's time to shut it down, shut her down. Okay? <laughs> like, shut the screen. You know, so my son will play on a laptop sometimes. I'm like, close it. Like, immediately. And sometimes they'll be really good. Yes, ma'am. Immediately. And I'm like, okay. Okay, we're doing good. But occasionally we'll get an outburst. And it's like, I can't believe you made me do that. I just lost this, and I worked so hard for that. And I'm like, I want to train you, and that makes me do it more. Because I'm like, I want you to know that that is fake. It is fake. It doesn't matter in the real world. So I want to practice making them shut it down quickly. I like saying to my kids, hey, can you pause your game? (laughs) Dad, we can't pause games like you could. I'm like, I don't care. Figure out how to pause it. Okay, so some warning signs. Number one, if they get angry when you limit them or take it away, which honestly, let's be honest, that's probably all kids. I know it's my kids. And so that's a warning sign that they're becoming screen addicted. Not addicted, I'm not going to use that word, but dependent, screen dependent. And then isolation. Are they isolating themselves? Okay, isolation breeds depression. 
okay? It's our job, and I know some teenagers, it's natural to pull away a little bit and want that time alone. I'm constantly going in my daughter's room, come on, come out, come out. Like, I want you out here. If you're crafting, whatever you're doing, do it in the living room. Let's all be together. I don't want alone in the bedroom to be comfortable, right? I want, get out here, be with the family. We, we, al- we allow her, that, that daughter, to go to her room and be alone at times. Yes. But, it, but I want to limit it. Yes. I don't give her unlimited, just go. She doesn't know. come home from school, go to the bedroom, and then go to bed, and we never see her or anything. It's like, all right, you get like an hour, and then come on out. And yes. we, just, we just don't allow that. It's, it's, and it's, it says it a minute ago, one of the main things is limitations. Mm-hmm. Like, limit whatever screen is their thing of choice, whether it's this screen or TV or video game or computer or whatever it is, limit it. This is, this is what we've decided for our families with, oh, you already talked about this. With the cell phones, we just use something called the Gab phone. It's $20 a month, first of all. G-A-B-B. It's, yeah, G-A-B-B. The, the, so the iPhone's what, about $100 a month. The Gab phone is $20 a month. They can't send pictures. They can't group text. We can still tra- track them. And you're like, well, why would you do that to your kids? Well, first of all, I know that my daughter's a teenage girl and teenage boys are trying to get pictures of her on a regular basis. Like that's going to happen whether you like it or not. Oh, no, 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 I know my daughter well, but that doesn't mean you know her friends well. And, and she could easily hand their number out. And so like we are- Wait, you said ext- they're trying to, they're not trying to, but, but generally no, they, they with will, teenagers, yes. yes. What we have seen is that- I don't know, they might be trying to. <laughs> What we have seen in being in student ministry, well, I'll tell you this. I I did a talk once to a room full of 100 college girls. 18 to 23. 100 college girls. And we asked the question, I said, if you have ever sent a picture. Is it a church, by the way? Is it a church? a, A nude picture or inappropriate picture to a guy, stand up. Every girl in that room but four were standing and they were all crying. I did that to show them they're not alone. And I I wanted to, this, if you guys have got to realize like it's an epidemic and this is the language of the teenagers. They are asking, boys are asking for pictures and then they use it as blackmail and they share it with their friends. And these girls have been through that. That was a hundred college girls. 96% of them had done that. And these were good Christian college girls. Okay? So we that's why we are so strict with protecting and we want to delay it because we know the longer we delay it, the more developed our child's brain is gonna be because you develop over time, you get smarter, you get wiser, you make better decisions, right? Because some people are like, oh, you're just sheltering your kid. No, we want to we want to train our kids to make to critically think Mm -hmm. and to make good decisions. And we don't think they're mature enough yet to do that. Yeah, and, so, and some of this, like we said, some of us you're going to think we're crazy. Yeah. That's fine. Our, our kids might be judged for being a little too protected or something like that. That's okay. I'm not bothered by that at all. But I, w- I would encourage you, so maybe you don't need to take all these things away like we talked about. Don't get rid of the smartphone, get them a gab phone. You're getting rid of that trash. Don't break the iPhone. I'll, I'll buy it and I'll sell it for more money if you're going to do that. Uh, but consider putting up some restrictions. Like something we could do is on your iPhone, you can put on something called Covenant Eyes. Now it does cost monthly, but anything that goes or comes into this phone is sent to your email. And you're like, well, I don't know if I want all that information. Well, that's probably a sign that you might need to consider getting that. Yes, go ahead. That's great to know. I never knew that. Wow. 
That's, oh, good. That's you great. can do it through Verizon? Yes. What's it called? Uh, I know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. that's awesome. And something you can do, like, I have this on my phone because none of us are above any of this when it comes down to it. I can't download apps. And you're like, seriously, you're a pastor and you're worried that you might struggle with downloading apps? No, I'm not really worried about it, to be honest. But I don't know if I'm going to have a dark night or a dark thought. And so, therefore, if you're like, hey, would you download uh, Instagram? I mean, I have Instagram on my phone. I'd have to say, no, I don't have that app. you got to call my wife and get the password, and then you could download it for me. And at first, when we decided we were going to do that because people were recommending it, like, hey, it's just a good idea. You just don't need access to the world on your phone, like me. Um, I didn't like it at first. Now it doesn't bother me one bit. About once every two months, I'll update my apps, and when they start moving a little bit slower, it's never caused an issue at all. Occasionally, when I have to download something immediately, I'll call my wife and be like, hey, I actually do need the password. I'm at Verizon. They need this. And they're like, all right. Go home, change the password. None of us are above it. And none of, if none of us are above it, our kids are absolutely not above it. Yeah, I meant to say this earlier about limitations. So think about when we were kids, a lot of us. Okay, I'm 43. When I was a kid, we didn't have smartphones. We saw our parents reading the newspaper, right? You read the newspaper there's an ending to the newspaper. You're done, right? You read a magazine, there's an ending. Here, no ending. Yeah. Those are called uh, stopping cues. Like reading the newspaper, there's a stopping cue because you finished it, you came to the end. This device has no stopping cues. It is unlimited, unlimited, mm -hmm. unlimited. And the more you do it, the more you want. That's why it's important as parents to give our kids those stopping cues yeah. to say, okay, you get one hour. You know, set a, set a timer, set an alarm. And it is hard, guys. It is hard. It's simple, but it's really hard to implement. Yeah, it's good. Uh, we set up some boundaries with our kids, just simple one with, our video, with video games. So we haven't talked too much about them. But we just started noticing with, uh, with well, it's, it's, it's our son, Deacon, with Fortnite. Uh, he just, he really got an attitude, like a bad attitude. He'd get off the screen and he'd freak out when we said get off. Um, the attitude just started to progress. And we're like, all right, you got to take a week off of Fortnite. So we took a week off, and I don't know if he got better or not, and we gave it back to him because, you know, you ground them for a week. And then we'd say, all right, you need to take tomorrow off because you're getting a little bit of an attitude. It's starting to develop. Well, we just got sick of it. We said, we're done with Fortnite. Why? I love this. I connect with my friends from Texas and this and that. And we're like, no, we're done. Like, you're never playing again. And I'm not joking. We really said that. And, he's, and he was like, that's not fair. All my friends, they play. And they come home on Friday, and they all play. And I said, we don't care. You're never playing again. And let me just tell you this. Our kid's attitude, now he's not perfect at all. He still has issues, just like we even have issues. But his attitude changed drastically. Because when I was talking about those psychologists that create an addiction thing where the dopamine is doped, dumped in your brain, almost like a chemical reaction, like a drug, it's, it's real. And so we just said, we're not going to play anymore. So no judgment if you play or if your kids play. But we just noticed it was an issue with us. And we just said, we're done. We're not going to play anymore. Now they play other video games and they like them and they have some limits and everything. But we just, that was a boundary we set in our home. Not that you need to do that, but it was just something that we did and it made a tremendous difference. So we'd encourage that. Consider what boundaries may be in your home with video games or whatever it may be. Yeah, so we also want to just give you some other ideas because I know as parents, it is so hard. And we want to use the screen as a babysitter, right? Because let's be honest, when our kids are on the screens, we don't hear from them, and that's really nice, right? Yeah. It's like quiet, and so it's so easy to just give in to that. I'm guilty of that, right? So here's some ideas of replacing it. I, we may have said this. 
I don't, I'm losing track. But let me give you some ideas of what to do. So looking up just different things that you can do, playing an instrument is an amazing thing. How many, how many of you play an instrument? Anybody? A few? Just I don't play an instrument. I don't either. Um, how many of your kids? How many of you have kids that play an instrument? Okay, just a few. Mm -hmm. That's good. Well, researching this, that is super, super healthy. Do I have that quote? No. I intentionally didn't put it. It was very oh, long and boring. Oh, so good. Oh, it's, I wouldn't I put it, it on amazing. there because it was a long, so boring quote. So basically, in welcome. Psychology Today, they wrote an article <laughs> about the importance of learning to play an instrument that is like the best mental workout for your brain playing an instrument. And musically, like just, it's just, it makes your brain work on all cylinders. They said, it was, they said it was equivalent to a full body workout for your brain. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. So it, maybe introduce an instrument to your mm -hmm. child. Like, hey, are you interested in learning to do this? Play guitar, even, even if y'all don't know how to play. I don't know how to play anything. But that's a great you know, alternative thing other than screens. Uh, create activities if your kids does, don't love sports. So, you know, our daughter, she's not really into sports, but she loves to craft. So we've gone out of our way to make sure she's got, like, all different color pipe cleaners so and paint. Stuff. And so a lot of times in her room, she's got a desk. She paints a lot. She'll listen to music, and she'll just paint or, you know, create things. She's destroyed her desk. She got paint on the carpet of our newer house. And I'm like, yeah. you know what? We don't care. Yes. This is the kind of mistakes and mishaps we'd love to have. I love to do a fire pit with the kids and they always take the fire and put it outside the fire pit. And I'm like, you know what? This is the kind of trouble that I can take. Just don't start a forest fire, please. Uh, we, we, I, we told you we started playing soccer out in the front yard. We do family movie night. The other night while Stacy was out of town, she ran to Louisville real quick. Uh, it literally was real quick just because her family's there. I had a little incident we had, she had to attend to. But, uh, they were watching too much TV and I was just kind of done with it. I'm like, turn off TV. We're playing a board game. No, dad, we're going to be bored if we play a board game. And I'm like, I don't care. We're going to play a board game. And so they got out Uno and we played Uno for probably about 45 minutes to an hour. We're laughing, cutting up. They're getting mad at each other and I'm trying to beat them and they beat me. And they're like, ah, and it was just so much fun. But it was a reminder that simple activities can replace screen time. And it was, it, was very, it was extremely valuable. So go on with the educate yourself. I hijacked your moment. Sorry about that. No, no, it's okay. I'm skipping a few things because I'm looking at the yeah, time. Yeah, we're a little All right, so the importance of movement in your kid, especially if you have a kid that is not very active. Like we have one that just doesn't prefer sports. Mm -hmm. It's important to get outside. So I'll be like, hey, let's go take a walk. Get them outside because that's working the brain. And nature is just healthy for you. It's, yeah. it's just good. You learn a lot by being outside. It's good to get that fresh air in. And this is something I did want to say. That's why I believe sports is so vital. I really do. I believe sports are a huge part of, I would even say it's a spiritual thing. It's a big part of discipleship. Understanding there's a leader called a coach in life. That there's a team that we got to work together called the, the church. I mean the team. I mean there's, a, there's so much in the kingdom of God that you can learn in the kingdom of sports. And so how many of your kids play sports? How many... I'd say, yeah, a lot of the room. And so it's just, it's extremely valuable when your kids play sports, absolutely. So go with the next quote. I'm actually going to skip that one. Okay. All right. So it's really important. If you take one thing away um, from tonight, it's setting boundaries for your kids. Mm -hmm. And if you feel bad about it, just think about the illustration about the highway and the fence. You wouldn't, you wouldn't apologize to your child for putting a fence up, Right. Nobody would ever, I'm so sorry, put the fence up. I know you want to play in the highway. No, that's non-negotiable, right? We love our child. We want to protect them. Think of it that way if that helps you set boundaries with them. So remove devices at night. This is why it's so important. 
58% of middle school students get less than the recommended amount of sleep, and 72.7% reported insufficient sleep, with about 20% reporting sleeping fewer than six hours a night. Adequate sleep is necessary for brain development as well as emotional and physical health. Okay, that, that is when our brain is developing, when we're sleeping. And if we're not getting that good, good sleep, which a lot of teenagers don't, they're not uh, growing. Sleep improves focus, motivation, memory, and learning. During sleep, all the learning from the day is consolidated into the long-term memory center of the brain. Sleep is also when toxins are removed from the brain. I cannot say that word. Cerebrospinal. She said that really fast. I think. Okay, that fluid washes yeah, in and out of the brain during sleep, helping clear out waste. That is so good. I, that makes me, okay, I need to get more sleep. I need to make sure my kids are getting more sleep. So much, God created our bodies to rest at night. And when we leave this in our kids' room, we're hindering that. Yeah. We're hindering, it, it affects them in every way, mentally, physiologically, physically, their body. So you are doing them a good, you are doing a good thing when you remove these devices at night. All right, boredom. I know we said, oh, sometimes, oh, boredom is like a cuss word. It's like when I take away screens, my kids are like, I'm bored. <laughs> Let me, okay, when you hear that, rejoice, because guess what? Boredom leads to creativity. Yeah. Okay, would I let, just let your kids sit in that boredom. You know what, you just sit there and be bored. Just sit in it, like feel the boredom. Because before long, they're just gonna be creating things and uh, you just never know. Our kids, when they've been bored before, they've made up like a whole skit for us. And they're like, watch this. And it's all about like, here, the, here we, we Why developed, they need screens. No, we developed this skit on why you should let us play screens. Oh, but hey, you know what, y'all were creative, good job. Like. Just let them be bored. I mean, when it's you were, a good thing. When you were kids, when us of us that are like probably 35-ish or older, we didn't have screens when we were kids. I mean, we'd pop in a VCR tape, but we didn't want to press the rewind button and leave it there for an hour. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I went and shoveled the driveway of snow so that I could go play basketball. Like, we literally shoveled the driveway. I mean, you just, you find things to do. Bring some of that out in your kids. It's in there. They can be creative. Give them a paper ball and say, play a game with this. They'll figure it out. Like when I was a kid, like we played paper ball for hours. I'm like, what's paper ball? You get a piece of paper, you wad it up and you play with it. <laughs> it was the best game ever. Don't you remember that Tyrone? You remember that, don't you? See, he knows what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, the football game. Yes, I forgot about that. Yeah, at a restaurant, <laughs> we'll take the straw wrappers and ball them up and then like use the fork and the knife as like goals and then blow with our straw. It's better than being on your phone. <laughs> you know, just sitting there doing something fun. That's sort of like totally not a good you, etiquette, but oh, don't worry it's about fun with your kids. We're not, we're not having an etiquette class. We're having <laughs> parenting class right now. This is a good quote. I want to say this. She's trying to bypass it, but this is really good. Stacy said this. Boredom is a doorway to imagination. If we never allow our kids to be bored, we limit their God-given creativity. That's just wisdom right there. It really is. Let your kids be creative, allow boredom to rest. And we're going to say one little quick story and then we'll finish up with this. We maybe do a couple questions. We may have to pause those for next week. Corey Ten Boone asked her dad this question while riding on a train. She says, Father, what is sex sin? Wouldn't you love for your kids to ask you that question? And he stood up, they're on a train, stood up, grabbed the suitcase from above the thing and put it on the ground. And he said, Corey, and she, she, she said, wait, what did she say? She said, uh, will you carry this off the train? And she stood up and she said, Dad, it's too heavy. And he said, yes. 
And it would be a pretty poor, I would be a pretty poor father if I would ask my little girl to carry such a load. It's the same way, Corey, with knowledge. Some knowledge is too heavy for children. When you're older and stronger, you can bear it. But for now, you must trust me to carry it for you. We have to carry this knowledge for our kids and teach them in an age-appropriate manner. Because honestly, you want your kids learning from sex from Instagram? From pornography? Because sadly, that's where I learned about it. And that's where a lot of our kids and probably a lot of us in this room learned about it. But our kids knew details of what sex was at a very young age, and that's a whole other talk. We'll probably do that in a couple weeks. Just having the sex talk with your kids. You're like, I'm not talking about that. Yeah, I would encourage you to. But we don't want, we want to educate our kids. We don't want anyone else to. Start small, but carry the weight for them. Don't expect them to carry this weight because this, the smartphone, is a very heavy weight. And so I would encourage you, think like Corey Ten Boone's dad because we have the responsibility to parent these kids and nobody else. And that's a God-given blessing. All right, any quick questions before we finish up? Because we do have a quick budget meeting um, real quick after for our members. Any questions? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Hear her? Okay, sorry, wasn't prepared to say all this, but Jenny, don't look at me. Turn around. Um, I feel very strongly about this. this. Is something that I could stand on a stage and talk about for hours. The research that I've done on this because I have walked in it as a mother. Um, if you have a child in here that's less than middle school, Stacy and Nate are correct. You should keep a cell phone, a smartphone, access to social media away from your child as mm. long as you possibly can. There will be a day that you will be so thankful that you did do that because I hope that you never have to walk in the, the shoes that I did of allowing a child to be on social media yeah. and do things that I did not know were going on. Um, that cell phone is not a safe place. It is a place where that example you gave 100% Children see things on this phone, and they're not going to come and talk to you about it. They're going to be embarrassed about yeah. it. They're going to withdraw, and it's going to put them in a very, very dark place. Um, I had this, whatever you want to call it, just, just breakthrough of moment of a cell phone and going back into our lives and what the difference that would be from 1990 to 2023 or whatever that looks like in your home. But you know when you were a teenager and you got in trouble as a child and your mom sent you to your room, you went to your room and you sat in your room and you looked at the ceiling and you're like, I wonder what they're doing just downstairs. You know, I don't care if you got your butt spanked or you just got grounded for two weeks. At a certain point, you got bored and you went downstairs and you're like, okay, what are we doing for supper? These kids, if they get in trouble or you say something wrong to them, they go to their room and, and they have this. 
And if one thing pops up on their feed or TikTok or Instagram or whatever that looks like, and they pause on it for two to three seconds and just say that item was about your mom sucking or your parents being the worst parents ever, then it feeds that to your kid and it feeds that to your mm -hmm. kid. And um, I don't know if y'all know me or not, but I own the exchange and I'm like huge into social media marketing and I pay for um, role ads and AI and if you shop at a boutique, if you're 25 to 45, if you like the color blue. And these people are out to seek your children and they will find them. And there is a world that your children do not deserve the information attached to that. That's good. And it, anxiety, depression, self-harm, them thinking, them not believing that they are saved, just questioning who they are, their mm -hmm. self-image, and I mean, just questioning their sexuality. Like, there are so many different types of form of just pornography and these children playing roles and, you know, if they're theatrical or they're artistic, there are these people that want to suck them in and they condition these children. The kids don't even know it. And then all of a sudden there's somebody who the internet told them to be. Like they don't even have a brain anymore because this phone has fed them what it wanted to basically. And so I don't know why I went off on that, but the Lord told me that I needed to tell you all that but it is very important. And if you ever want to talk about that, I'm your girl because I have sat for hours crying on the bathroom floor with a child who just absolutely always had self-esteem issues. And then that cell phone just put her in a place of just severe darkness, you know, where we just had to have the really hard conversations of turning off the world. You know, we have to quiet that down. And as a parent, sometimes it doesn't matter if your kid, you don't think they're doing it. Your child's doing it. They are doing it. Yeah. I have a funny story to kind of break the seriousness of my conversation. But my son is almost 20. And one time the power went out. There was a hurricane. And so I, everybody was charging their cell phones with my iPad. No, my MacBook. But it put all their pictures on my MacBook. So I'm just scrolling through the pictures because we're bored. It was when like hurricane came before Macy Pope's wedding. But um, there's a picture and I'm like, woo, okay. And so he tells me who the girl is and I message her parents, which was super embarrassing because I know them very well. And I just said, hey, this is going on. No judgment, I don't care. I just wanna let you know because if this was my daughter and the mom said, there's no way that's her. She can't have her phone in the bedroom. I said, well, that's why she was sitting on a buffet, sweetie. Like. She wasn't in a bedroom, but she's still doing it. Like, you know, you need to know that. But as parents, she had no clue that her daughter would be doing anything inappropriate. But wow. you need to, it's not that your child is doing something wrong and that you're correcting it. It's that you need to protect them from it and take that cell phone away mm -hmm. from them. And even look at their feed. Just say, I want to borrow your phone. They may not be doing anything wrong, but you need to know what social media is feeding them. Mm -hmm because their thoughts show up. If they've Googled something, that's gonna be every 10th scroll. You know, it is going to be whatever they've Googled. So you may not see, you know, improper text messages. They may not be getting nude photos. You may not see where they're talking about suicide. But if you just scroll anything, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok, I would just encourage you to sit there for 20, 30 minutes. Whatever that algorithm is feeding them, that's where their brain is. That's where their headspace is. And that's where you need to go attack. Yeah, and this is just, we can kind of end on this yeah. if you want to say anything, babe, of course, but so it's, it's, it hurts. It's hard to make some changes now. Like say we're going to end all social media and that, let's just go extreme. Let's say some of y'all want to do that. That's, that's an extreme step. I'd encourage you to tread lightly with that. It's hard to do that. 
it's much harder to correct the damage that are caused today, 10 years from now, than it is to end whatever you would end today. Does that make sense? I mean, Brandy shared it, and thank you for your vulnerability. I think that's, that's a great way to end this conversation. But make the steps. Start tonight. I'd encourage you with something. Take something that we've said a lot. T- take something. Maybe the, hey, we're all going to put our phones in the kitchen tonight. All of us. Um, or, hey, kids, we're, you're all going to put your phones in the kitchen. It's just something we're going to do. I know this is going to be hard. Um, tomorrow I'm going to get you an alarm clock with a radio that you can play or a CD player or something um, so that you can actually play music because I know you like going to bed with music, but we're going we're to take a break. Just, just start somewhere because it, it takes over their life. It really does. And I appreciate the honesty. Do you want to say anything before yeah, we Yeah, thank you so much, yeah, Brandy, for absolutely. sharing that. That was really good. And, and I love what you said about that is your reality. Whatever your child is surrounded with is their reality, and it's real to them. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Yes. They want to steal their innocence. They want to draw them in. Yeah. I mean, we live in a world where Satan is running rampant, and it's our job to protect our kids. That's right. You want to pray for us? Yeah, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for um, encouragement. Thank you for great statistics and research. And pray that even though this is more of an information content conversation, Lord, I just pray that we can all take something from it and make a, just maybe one little alteration um, or maybe a small restriction or boundary that we need to apply to our kids, thinking about that highway. Because there's a social media, internet, and a cell phone highway, computer, video game, uh, predator highway that is right inside of our kids' screens, and we've got to set up some fences for them to create some boundaries. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to have a dismal to do that even when we don't want to or even if they begin to cuss us out because we are called to parent our kids and to renew our mind and in turn emulate that to them so that they can renew their mind. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I truly hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to find us online, you can at lbcdublin.com or any social media platform. Thank you for listening and have a great week.